When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, all things Star Wars, all tears from all grown men. <laughs> I'm your host, Adam Russell. Hey, I'm done crying for now, but when we get into it, I'm going to start crying again. My name's Nick. I'm back home. Tour is done. I literally landed uh, two and a half hours ago, and I cannot wait to talk about this show. Hello there. It's harder this week, doesn't it? I'm your host, Ryan Key. And I am your fourth host, repairing my helmet that's now been slashed on the other side. <laughs> Mike Forrester, also hiding sobs of best friends, long forgotten, and now mortal enemies. Wonderful. God, dude. I really hope that none of us fight and I have to burn you alive and then bury you alive <laughs> within a four-day period. <laughs> I really hope that doesn't happen between any of us. It would be better if that didn't happen, I think. Dude, uh, where do we start? Talking about the season finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course. Where do we start? I mean, everything from the very beginning of this episode of the first chase of getting away from the Star Destroyer, I was like, this looks incredible. It feels like they upped the blasts. It almost felt like Clone Wars-y. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I loved that. Pretty much this entire episode just crushed. Absolutely crushed. I'm still in some kind of emotional state right now. I'm not feeling normal right now. Today felt so long yet so short. I didn't know how to function. And I'm not exaggerating. This is not hyperbole. It was like when I saw Revenge of the Sith three times in one day on opening day and had like an emotional hangover for a week <laughs> times 10. It'll do that, man. I, I just, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same feeling the same ballpark of feeling that some of these series have given us in the past couple of years, you know, seeing Luke, seeing Ahsoka, just this like ultimate joy, this ultimate happiness. I'm definitely feeling that right now. I mean, what's harsh in my, my vibe right now is that I flew all day. Yeah. So <laughs> I've just been on a plane. So I'm just like, ugh. Mm. but I feel great. I feel like so happy that I saw that we all saw together what we saw and we witnessed what we witnessed. <laughs> Did your plane get chased by a Star Destroyer? <laughs> I wish. I think for me, the thing that's troubling me the most is that I had to get in the studio and start working on music all day and I've only been able to watch it one time. Like legitimately wanted to start it over immediately when it finished and I, <laughs> yeah. did, I couldn't. I don't have not enough hours in the day. So I will be watching again as soon as I possibly can. All right, let's get into it here. I want to get everyone's takes, their kind of initial reactions and talk about plot points that maybe resonated with us or, or big moments or whatever. We'll get into some details, but really this is going to be kind of like an emotional response sort of reaction episode. And then we'll give the full breakdown, the full season breakdown next week. And we'll hit all the stuff that we missed. Hopefully, you know, certain point of view, Den of Antiquity, stuff like that. Nick, why don't you go ahead and go first? What did you love about this episode more specifically? 
Well, pacing wise, I loved the pace because I felt like there was five minutes left. And when I like checked how much time was left, there was like 25 minutes left. It was like action packed. I was air fist pumping when I was like, (laughs) it's not even half done yet. There was so much like right away. But yeah, I mean, it's just everything. It's interesting. I know I've talked about it on the pod before, like that I had expectations for this series. And, uh, you know, for the most part, it's, it's all met there was a lot less for me overall emotional moments, but when the emotional moments happened, they hit the way I wanted them to hit. And most of them were in this episode, obviously. So I'm I'm happy, I'm I'm optimistic and hopeful that there's more stories to be told because I mean credit Ewan McGregor for acting like it was crazy from episode one to six, the difference in acting. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was so downtrodden until he wasn't in this episode. And he was just like an absolute badass powerhouse in this episode. So if there's more stories to be told with badass Obi-Wan, cool. And I think you can see too that it might just be, I know I mentioned it again and I'll stop saying this, maybe the next six episodes in season two is just another week of his life where he goes on a mission. Yeah. And we get graced with... Obi-Wan one more time. I mean, obviously there's some uh, potential for Qui-Gon to teach Obi-Wan some stuff, which is amazing. So I'm, I'm happy. They pulled it off. They really more so, I guess my biggest takeaway after now that it's done is that we got more Vader than we've ever had. More emotional depth. Anakin is inside that suit. And ultimately that's what I wanted from this series. And, and we got it by the end. Mike. Tell us things. I'm going to echo that sentiment because I think probably one of my biggest concerns overall with this series was that we're going to get a wavering Vader that would have in a, in some ways kind of like retconned when we met him in Rebels, right? Because yeah. we know the story. We know that there's obviously this big emotional pull of his redemption in Return of the Jedi. And I we, we knew that they were going to duel you kind of got this sense of what what is the conversation they're going to have. And I was like kind of concerned in my head that they were going to soften Vader up too much so that by the time we met him at New Hope, it made us change our perspective of him as the greatest villain of all time. And I love exactly kind of what Nick was saying is that they doubled down on the fact that Vader, he never wavered. He never, he, he, was only more pissed off in that Obi-Wan had bested him multiple times in this series and made him just lean further into the dark. And Mm. I think that was probably the most harrowing conversation was hearing him admit that, and we'll get into it, of course, but just his conversation with Obi-Wan to be like, there's nothing left to save. That's the Mm -hmm. point of who I am now, right? Which makes the emotional pull of Luke Skywalker, his son, that much heavier when we see how far down the path he is. It just makes Return of the Jedi better. It makes A New Hope better. I mean, there's so many awesome things that this series did to make the original trilogy better. Totally. So yeah. I I think this episode particularly, though, just like gave us that that Anakin. I mean, I don't even want to call him Anakin. That's Vader, dude. That's totally <laughs> Darth Vader, you know? So I think I think that's probably my favorite takeaway from this. Of course, this the combat was incredible. The visual effects are amazing, but I think that's the thing that's like sticking with me after my second view. 
Ryan Key, how about you? I honestly, I, I really don't know where to start. Like I, I, I don't. I, like if we're gonna do a more in depth dive next week, it's, it's there's so much to unpack. Uh, the, just the little stuff that I noticed might be what to go with, you know, like that sick, nasty Obiani spin in the middle of the fight. It was so deliberate and it was so badass, and yeah. it was like just so so that we would go there. He he did one, you know, the two finger lightsaber stance, the dialogue, Hayden's voice. Just where do you where do you end? You know, they did nothing wrong, and and I think gave us more than we could have possibly expected out of that scene that we knew was coming. That's the thing. It's not just that they stuck the landing or they didn't fuck up. It's that they yeah. gave us more than we could have expected. 100%. Emotionally, plot-wise, story-wise. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen's performance in this particular scene is now in the running for like the most intense and emotional scene in all of Star Wars history. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, on par with I'm Your Father. Yeah. On par with There Is Another Skywalker, Forever Sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Ewan's performance, I'm sorry, Anakin, for all of it. Oh my God. <laughs> it was, yeah. I'm, I was a mess. I I'm was gushing. A, I'm gushing uh, about it. I, I, you know, I just, I absolutely loved it. I think they, they, as you say all the time, they, they just stuck the fucking landing, man. It was just a perfect landing. I have tears rolling out of my eyes right now after saying that line. I mean, Mike was like, you guys are so emo in the text thread today, but it's true. And, it, and it's not just that like the writing was great and the acting was great. There's something about the Jedi master, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the dude, the original Jedi in this Star Wars story going back to 77. That dude's standing there crying his eyes out over it. Yep. There's just something about that fact that he went to that emotional level that puts it, like you said, maybe at the, the most emotionally impactful Star Wars scene, period. We've never seen something like that in Star Wars, dude. I, I know, I know. The use of the light in that scene, with the red and the blue, you know, there was a very clear cut, like showing for a moment the conflict that was still in Anakin and then that yes. blue light fading away from his face and it all turning red and it, it's just all anger and hate again. Um, I loved that. And then, yeah, I, I saw something on the internet that... Um, no one's made Obi-Wan Kenobi laugh in, in 20 years or whatever the whatever the meme was, you know, until Leia. Yeah. What a moment, you know, what a moment of, of happiness and hope and Leia and, you know, inspiring hope even in Obi-Wan Kenobi. I Man. mean, it's just, mm -hmm. and the whole exchange, we've been talking about this all season long about how much more weight there is now to uh, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. You know, if you ever need to call on an old tired man or whatever he said, a tired old man or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and Bale saying, let's hope that day never comes. Just like, it's gold. It's Star Wars gold. And um, I, yeah, I loved every minute of it. And I can't wait to watch it again. Man, this episode was such an emotional ride for me. I'm same as you guys. I, I, I just don't know where to start, but I'm just going to, I'm going to echo everything you guys are saying. And just reinforce the idea that, Nick, something you've been saying since the beginning with this podcast is when you look at Vader, you just see Anakin after having watched the Clone Wars. It unlocked that for you. Mm. I got to that place as well as a Clone Wars viewer. But this, partially because it's in live action, but then also very much so because of the writing and the quality of the writing. And then we see him, of course. But it is so absolutely Anakin in there. But this, like, you know, pet cemetery version of him, <laughs> like... 
he's dead, but he's back. But he's it's not really him, and he's really mm-hmm. fucked up, and he's going to try to murder you. And it's not just like cheap villain tropes either. Mm-hmm. There's so much depth to the character. Mm-hmm. It's so justified. There's so much like legitimate motivation there, right or wrong. Yep. I don't know how they could have possibly sold it better. They just stuck the landing so hard. And there's also some really creative filmmaking execution expertise that went into that, like the the combining of Hayden Christensen's voice and the malfunctioning, you know, fritzing out vocalized vocoder, oh, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. That shit was so haunting and disturbing and emotional. Like I've got goosebumps everywhere, all my hair standing on end. That's one of the most well-executed moments in all of Star Wars to me. That whole scene, but mm-hmm. specifically that with the hole in his mask, I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing every single moment over and over and over. I, I, I just, I couldn't stop crying. Like the, the part at the end with Obi-Wan and, and Leia, th- that dialogue oh and the stuff God. he said to her, mm-hmm. I've, Oof. I, I just, I was emotionally out of, out of control. Like I, I could, mm-hmm. I could barely breathe. I'm not exaggerating. I don't know what gets bumped out of my top 10 Star Wars moments, but Obi-Wan talking to Leia, telling him about the attributes that Padme and, and Anakin passed on to her. That's in there. That's in the top 10 moments of all of Star Wars for me now. 100%. Might be my favorite part of the whole series, honestly. It's like side by side with Luke revealing to Leia that she's his sister. Mm-hmm. And I just, <laughs> you, you know, all the, the baggage I have wrapped up in that specifically. Mm-hmm. And when he said to her, Princess Leia Organa, you are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother. But you're also passionate and fearless, forthright. And these are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. That was when I sent the group chat the picture of my real tears because, yeah, it was. (sighs) And then he then he said, he goes. (laughs) 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 He says, goodbye, princess. May the force be with you. I completely broke down, dude. I was like choking and coughing and Yeah. It's a lot. It was high stakes, man. Yeah. Star Wars on another level, for sure. Yeah. It definitely it took everything. I think it changed the stakes for everything that comes after. That mm-hmm. the scene the scenes between Obi-Wan and Anakin and the scene the final scene between him and Leia, I think set the bar for where the stakes, the emotional stakes have to be in live action Star Wars from here out. And the way that he said it too, that these are gifts from your father, yes. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like the Skywalker name around the galaxy, of course, at that time is like the fallen Jedi. Right. That, you know, and like a, th- a thing, a thing that we see, of course, reoccurring is like not letting your family name be something that conquers your future. Right. Right. We saw that with Ray. We saw that with Luke. And it's such an amazing set little mini set of dialogue right there that just really like the way that it was delivered of course too was everything that leia was in 
the original trilogy. And like I said, this show just made the original trilogy better than I think we, because we hold that set of three movies to like an absolute God tier, right? It made them better. It's like we thought Rogue One made A New Hope better. And now I'm like, right. like that was, that's incredible. I yeah. Like Nick has said it. What, how how blessed are we at this <laughs> point in our lives to get this level of detail in people who still love this franchise so much yeah. that they're investing this amount into a movie that was from 1977, making mm-hmm. it better. It's incredible. Another thing that popped into my mind was, you know, we've talked about it previously about how George Lucas made made it all up, wrote it all as he went on. We're getting the depth that wasn't in the movies because he was writing it as he went along. Like we we got so much more Obi-Wan and Vader than we've ever gotten really. I mean, maybe not Obi-Wan, but definitely more Vader in the suit, Anakin in the suit in this series. And we're getting the depth that when you go watch the original trilogy now, everything matters more. Yeah. And right. that's so amazing. That's hard to do, and they did it. Yeah. That's the thing. People talk about retconning in a negative light most of the time, mm-hmm. it seems like. But to me, a good retcon is like a magic trick. It's like you lose a puzzle piece or a whole handful of pieces out of a you know a 40-year-old puzzle. Your dog ate them or whatever. You have no idea what's in the middle, but you make new pieces and you make an even more beautiful picture than it was before because you didn't know what was there until you figured out what could work Mm -hmm. and coming at it from that angle sometimes unlocks some creativity and when the it's just like you know like linking lyrics like we've talked about this before like you're missing a couple lyrics in the middle of a verse and then when it finally comes together you take that awesome line from the beginning and that awesome line at the end that you just couldn't bridge and then when you do it's almost like you wrote those lines together in the first place Mm-hmm. It's like magic, dude. Yep. So to me, the fact that they're doing this and the fact that George basically did that all along the way with all of his writing partners and people who collaborated is the tradition of Star Wars. And they're continuing it in such a way that not only makes the new stuff good and not fail, like a lot of sequels and additional content can, but like we keep saying, it makes the original even better. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. Yeah, we I, we we have a loose definition of retcon. Like, there's no retconning going on. You know, they didn't change anything. The retcon, uh, I think it's short for retroactive continuity, yeah, for sure. So, like, they're they're adding depth. You know, like they they haven't changed much. Like, what's the biggest retcon of the Disney era? Maybe like Caleb Doom at the beginning of Bad Batch. You know, like that sort of thing. It's not, it doesn't really change much. Well, it's not that it changes things, but it. If there's questionable continuity, if it's like mm-hmm. all the relationships actually between the characters, between Leia and Vader in A New Hope, the story that Obi-Wan tells about Anakin, mm-hmm. he, he gives the A Certain Point of View speech in Jedi, but it isn't as satisfying as it needed to be for some people. So yeah. people have been, mm-hmm. you know, in headcanon retconning for years, and finally we get it in a way that I don't think could possibly be done better. Mm-hmm. Those lines from Anakin... You know, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. No. That's retconning in the best possible way. And, and, and it's just really kind of, it kind of puts into perspective really what it's like to be consumed by the dark side. Yeah. That's Anakin Skywalker no longer, but it was, but he doesn't even recognize himself. Like everything that was Anakin in that moment 
he at least wants Obi-Wan to believe that Anakin is gone and Vader killed him and he's happy with his choice. It's like, oh, it kind of wasn't really your choice, you know, between Palpatine yeah. manipulation and then Obi-Wan basically defeating him and disfiguring him to the point of needing to be in a suit. None of that stuff was his choice, but Anakin slash Vader in this show in, in part six kind of almost is like talking himself into the fact that he's like, I killed Anakin. I, I did this. It's like, mm, no, you didn't. He's trying to, yeah, he's trying to own all that pain and suffering and regret, yeah, totally, and use it as power. Did and did you catch mm-hmm. the grin on his face in that moment? Yeah, it's really subtle and creepy and sad. Yeah, God. So the only person we, well, one of the people we haven't talked about yet. Speaking of confusion, being emotionally damaged, is Riva, mm-hmm. and how well that story all tied up. I didn't expect it to go to that level. I thought maybe she was going to die and she, you know, she'd have a yeah. line as she was dying. Maybe Kenobi would have to kill her and it would be kind of like, uh, kind of like when he killed Maul. Mm-hmm. But man, what an amazing turn that also leaves a bunch of stuff wide open yeah. and, and leaves an interesting open-ended kind of thing for that character and for the whole galaxy really now that she, this dark side user who worked for Darth Vader knows exactly where those kids are. Yeah, I really wonder where... Uh, I'm totally down for her to be in a show. I don't know about get a show, but be in a show. It's definitely an interesting time. I mean, just the fact that she's an inquisitor kind of plays a little bit into this rumor of a Cal Kestis sort of thing. I agree with that. So, for sure. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I loved the kind of, I don't want to say it was a total twist. I just loved going on the journey of her specifically in this episode. There's something... With these series, like for instance with Tala, when she died in that scene, I was like, well, I kind of just got to know her, so I'm not that emotional. Like even though this is clearly an emotional scene, I just met her two episodes ago, barely. It's not like she was in an hour of Star Wars even at that point. (laughs) So with Riva, it's like I really like the story. I wish that there was more meat on the bones of the story, like just more overall time spent with her to feel that twist, I guess I'll call it. But I mean, I, I'm totally into the story. I thought for some reason she was just going to be consumed by wanting to get back at Vader and Obi-Wan was going to have to offer. But uh, she she never was fully a dark side user. She, she was in the game to get back at Vader. It was a long con. Right. She wanted to get justice by using the back door basically right so she when it was her time to you know kill luke which is crazy to say and she saw herself laying there that's a definitely that'll change your mind yeah revenge is not the jedi way Mm-hmm. that's that's damn right right so the idea of her being able to like hurt obi-wan by coming after this kid that he clearly cares about couldn't do it she's a jedi still so the thing that I loved about Reva's story, did anyone else kind of put it together that it almost seemed like the aerial shots and Obi-Wan and Vader were like fighting for her conscience? Did anyone else put that together? No, but that's cool. Mm. There's just a lot of like her, these like quick shots of like her struggle and then the fight going on. And I was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of, the symbolism is kind of cool here because it's the idea that she knows what she's supposed to do. And then of course, like the impact of Anakin, like Anakin getting the best of her when she was a youngling and mm-hmm. then Obi-Wan getting the best of Anakin in the fight. 
and that was ultimately the the side that she chose to go with. I thought that was a, that was a cool little edit there. Claire pointed out in our chat, our live chat here, the echo of Anakin bringing his mom back home and Reva carrying Luke is pretty symbolic. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's a great call right there. And I think it's the flip side of it, right? Of the same exactly, like, you know, uh, the same hunger for revenge, you know, leading a different way, right? And bringing someone back to live versus bringing them basically back to die. Right. It, I mean, it really goes to show like how powerful this episode was. And I, I don't want to like go too far into like the psychology and all this stuff. Cause I want to talk about this as a season, but this episode just did so many things right in terms of all the feelings that we're going through, just processing this thing that we just watched for the first time 10 hours ago. And we're all still like vividly like, Whoa, just means they crushed it. Yeah. And just like I said, they crushed it. Let's talk specifically about the battle, the duel between Vader and Kenobi. We could spend an entire episode just on this. We've already hit on it a little bit, but there are a handful of things, some callbacks and some things that were meant to not just be fan service, but indicate that Obi-Wan Kenobi is fully back. Darth Vader is fully Darth Vader and so on. The big one being the stance, the Obi-Wan two-finger stance, Mm -hmm. you know? And it just, uh, it was like, (laughs) I don't have the words. It's like the greatest hits, man. Yeah. It's like we're we're watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi set, and he finally does the stance, and the pit opens up. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's doing the thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's also for a second too just acknowledge the the impact of the fact that they have. I know we've talked about it a couple of times, but just the power of these illuminated blades being functional props now, right? Oh yes. Like, I mean, it just the the depth that it adds to mm. the 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 visuals of the show that they could go intentionally to a dark and foggy planet and you still get so much definition and Mm -hmm. you know i i got the same vibe of that beautiful shot of both finn and ray holding that blue lightsabers to the side of their face and you just get this glisten of blue on their eyeballs and of course we got it mainly with when when obi-wan has tears in his eyes but like dude that where props are going now and it's like it's crazy because we watch even the prequels and they don't have that level of definition. I mean, we, we yeah. recognize them for the two blades and, you know, stuff like that. But it's like, I just feel like visually now, and there's so much purple of the two blade, the red and the blue. Right? Yeah. I was just like bathed in this purple idea that like, you don't really know who's going to win. And it's so much less about like, I mean, of course there was the obi Annie spin and all that stuff. Right. But like, I just could not get over how beautiful this whole segment was. The cool thing with the, practical sabers now is that they're light sources yeah so you're seeing vader for the first time with red and blue and then the combination of purple on him and it's just it you've never seen that before it's amazing i mean maybe in animation i I can't recall but it really is just a a beautiful thing and you'd kind of never really notice that it wasn't there in the originals or the prequels but now they're literally holding their own lighting it's amazing yeah yeah. Uh, speaking of stances too, so he uh, Obi Wan starts it off with the two finger stance, and then at one point, and I think it was kind of two shots back to back, Vader totally takes on like a Qui Gon like baseball stance, 
Mm. And I want to say the next stance is something I had to look up earlier and it happens at least twice in the sequel trilogy. Obi-Wan holds his blade straight out and is like kind of looking down the blade. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Kylo did that at some point. For sure. Where is it? And it was for sure in the throne room scene in The Last Jedi and the opening scene of Rise of Skywalker. I don't know if there's any other times, but... There's at least two, and I was like, I wonder what that means. You know, Qui-Gon's stance for Vader makes sense, but I wonder why there would be, to me, an intentional Obi-Wan looking down the blade besides the Ben and Ben connection. It could just be uh, a fighting style, a stance, or whatever. that We don't know all the lightsaber forms, so we're not familiar. There could be some deeper shit there, but Mm -hmm. the other time he does it is in the battle that we referenced with Finn in The Force Awakens, Finn and Rey in the snow. Yep. He says that lightsaber, it belongs to me. Yep. Mm-hmm. So all three of those movies, that's kind of his thing. And, and looking back on it now, like I feel like the official Darth Vader stance is that open arm, chest open, and yeah. that lightsaber Arrogant down to stance. the side, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love it now because like, remember the very first time we saw the trailer for The Force Awakens? Kylo's foot like jams down, his arm goes yeah. right down to his hip, and that yeah. blade comes out. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> that's a descendant of Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> now that we look at it, you know. So I think I think it's it's so incredible that we've got this iconic. I mean, if, as if the silhouettes in Star Wars needed to be fleshed out more. And here we are, <laughs> being like, that's it. Like, I could recognize a silhouette of, you know, anyone with a lightsaber is like who they are. So I just I love that. And then we got those classic shots of Vader standing over the, you know, the crater, looking down and having you know, the high ground, got, the high yep. ground, right? I'm I was like, so happy Dude. for you. Tables. I turned. was like, this is a high ground reference without it being like ham fisted. You know, it's like yeah. the tables have turned. Yeah, yeah. And Vader overall isn't just super powerful. Yes, he's at his peak in terms of the version of Anakin that's in the suit, right? But he's also at his peak of like how would you say it? Like just furious anger being fully fueled by the rage. Mm -hmm. There's still, and we saw it throughout the whole season. He's not, you know, uh, it it goes back to the quote before he had the the final fight with Obi-Wan in a new hope. When I left you, I was but a learner. Now I am the master. You know, Mm -hmm. he hasn't learned to be a more patient, calculated Sith. He's still just running fully on rage fuel. Mm-hmm. So you hear it in him, the way he's like grunting and vocalizing as, as soon as the thing starts, you know, as soon as the battle starts, he's just yeah. like that, just like Revenge of the Sith Anakin, you know? It's power. I mean, I, I think power, yeah. that, you know, like there's one thing, well, I keep saying there's one thing, there, there's so many things, <laughs> but <laughs> I felt like this was power on power, which was, there was way more finesse in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And I think because Vader was so powerful, Obi-Wan had to change his style to meet that. On my first watch, I had this crazy feeling, this crazy thought during the duel, pretty early on in the duel because I was like not breathing and had my f- my fists clenched, you know, I was like so in it. And I'm like, I'm physically reacting as if I don't know what's going to happen because I don't really (laughs) know what's going to happen, but clearly (laughs) they both survive. Like we know what happens. We know when they meet again, but you just don't know the process. But I like just had this thought. I'm like, why am I so like tense right now? Like this is just fun. They're both going to live for good. (laughs) But it, it was still, like you said, so suspenseful and, Mm -hmm. 
everything about the details of it as it unfolded was so exciting because they, they were doing things that we had never seen them do. Mm-hmm. Like Obi-Wan raising all those rocks, yeah, which was kind of like a, a ballsy, arrogant kind of flex mm-hmm. for him. Definitely. And interesting, definitely like worth talking about at some point. Vader smashing the ground open, like a lot of stuff that we've only seen mm-hmm. in animation or comics or video games. Yep. Then the smashing of the respirator, the way Obi-Wan oh, was kind of like backhand hitting him with the, the pommel of his lightsaber. Yeah. That's so something cool. we've never seen. And mm-hmm. not only was that just like really cool and all the, the, the choreography was really creative, but that was, you, you could feel the, the emotion ramping up. And when he did that and he was chopping him down, it had like Rocky Four vibes to me, you know? Mm-hmm. You start to hear Vader wheezing and, he, you know, Obi-Wan hits him across the back. You see the big burn gash across the back of his cape and the armor and then when he finally comes across the top of his helmet with his lightsaber and splits it open he's like gasping for air he's wheezing and it's they use that exact sound from return of the jedi yeah yeah mixed in with all kinds of new stuff and it was so brutal that i found myself like feeling sorry for anakin in the moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) i am choking up thinking about it right now like feeling not not just like pity but like genuinely feeling so sorry f- for this human being who had turned himself into a monster because all, all he wanted was to, to love and be loved and, and not lose the things that he loved. And here he is dying for it, dying as like a grotesque monster. It was just, it was heartbreaking as hell, but beautiful. And you know what I mean? It was just that emotional roller coaster of, oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe what I'm seeing. I'm about to throw up crying, you know? <laughs> I just can't say enough good stuff. I can't believe what I'm seeing is that happened a couple of times during this whole series. Yeah. I, am I watching what I'm watching? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the same thing with, with the fire a couple episodes ago, but then burying Obi-Wan alive. I'm like, I I just sat there and I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) this is insane. I mean, the, just like this Obi-Wan that of course, that the swordsman of Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Jedi powers that we, you know, of course, like kind of hint at and like that Jedi could jump from, you know, like any distance and they were good. Right. That was like the big thing in the prequels was like, oh, yeah, they, these two guys jump. Oh, they're down there, 80 feet down. Let's just jump down there. Right. And we didn't get to see that badassness of lifting up rocks as mm-hmm. like some force, like just this god of the force and then using them as projectiles to defeat your enemy was just like this powerhouse of like seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi like completely tap in, which was amazing to watch. And then, of course, like you're saying, I mean, the symbolism of him cutting the opposite side of the mask. Mm. As Ahsoka. That we would later see his apprentice cut the other side, but the only Mm -hmm. one who actually was able to get the mask off was his son. I mean, dude, like, yes, that's it's so and then and then that that cut that Obi-Wan makes, I, I went back and I looked in Revenge of the Sith and there is like a, a skin mark, like there's certainly like an indent of what the original makeup was. But the way that we see it in Return of the Jedi, I mean, it looks like it was like a crater, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And this would explain how he got that mark, which yes, is nuts thinking that like how they were able to like go back and like check the references and be like, could we pull this off? Like, would this be Mm -hmm. amazing for like his son to be like, you know, of course we wouldn't see this, but like for him to just look at his dad and be like, oh yeah, this guy who saved my life 
gave you that. You guys, I bet you guys went through some shit, didn't you, dad? (laughs) Yeah. So just, just seeing all of that, I thought was just incredible. And again, my biggest thing, just like, don't mess up Vader. Don't try to, to soften him up. And I feel like, again, like I said at the beginning of why I love this episode so much, dude, straight up double down on the darkness. It's all, Mm -hmm. it's all he has. And I, like you're saying, Adam, which I, I agree with, he almost is like reliving this moment of being like, Obi-Wan's going to destroy me again. Yeah. And like the anger that he's feeling of being like, he's going to do this again to me. He's going to leave me again, broken, barely alive so much that that weighs on him. That Palpatine is like, you good. Yeah. Like, you good. Like, are you sure yeah. <laughs> you can cut, we can kind of, I can kind of read it all over your face. Right. So I thought that was a nice little touch. And in that moment, talking about doubling down, they fully doubled down slash relived the moment that they had on the, the lava shores of Mustafar. But instead of like that disappointed, appalled, disbelief kind of vibe that Obi-Wan had with you were the chosen one and so on. And Anakin saying, I hate you. They fully settle into who they are as their grown adult selves that we would later know in the original trilogy. Obi-Wan reacting when when he sees when he like comes out of the the fog of the, you know the fury that he's in just like Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi when he when he hacks Vader down he sees Vader's face and like oh god Ewan McGregor is just so good he didn't have to say Anakin you know he didn't have to react that way mm-hmm. his face said it all but he it just really took it to this level that I don't think we've ever seen in Star Wars the way his face it was just like he just, the switch flipped and he was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, what have I done? Basically, he's like, Anakin. Mm-hmm. He calls to him, basically. And the way Anakin slash Vader responds, again, with the mixed voices. Anakin's gone. I am what remains. Oh my God. And for him to apologize. Excruciating to watch. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. the apology... Follow, right. Oh my God. Like, and, and if you go back to that, I, I texted it kind of in a joke earlier to you guys, but like, I'm sorry for taking you kind of unknowing what you were when you were a child and not being able to save your mother. Cause we had you. Yeah. I'm sorry for not teaching you better. The same doubts that Qui-Gon had about the council. I'm sorry for not being a better teacher to understand that attachments are forbidden because that's the way that I was taught so that we didn't get hurt because he's probably like channeling his Satine. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for the way that I left you. I'm sorry for not being there to see through Chief Palpatine. I'm sorry for the path that you probably didn't know you were going down. And I'm sorry for not being there for you. And then I'm sorry for leaving you the way that I left you. All of that, you felt that when he apologized. And I'm like, that, like I was watching that just like, mm, 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 mm. like mm. at, you know, four, four, three in the morning when I'm watching. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's. Masterclass in acting right there. Because like you said, Adam, it was all on his face, but then he did say all that and it just added more depth to it all. But Mm -hmm. man, written great, acted perfect. Hell of a scene. And then the clincher line, I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did. That was like the final nail in the coffin, Mm -hmm. straw that broke the camel's back, the full descent into... Vader period for the next 20 years or whatever it is before, you know, when finally Luke 
brings him back out of it. But also why that's why a certain point of view, he's completely justified to say Darth Vader killed your father. Yeah. Yeah. Vader mm-hmm. said it himself and he and then for him to walk away and the last time he acknowledges him, he calls him Darth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 a new hope. Yeah. Only a master of evil, Darth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like this, like, ah, uh, this, you know, I've, I'm acknowledging that my friend, my brother is gone. Yeah, like yeah. the heartbreak. It, it was snarky to call him Darth, but it's that like brokenhearted kind of snark. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can imagine saying a similar kind of thing in, a, in an argument with a, a loved one or something. Like it pains you to say that, to admit that someone is. Oh yeah, who, it's definitely an admission. Who they're presenting themselves Mm -hmm. to be at that point, yeah. Yeah. So just to put like a bow on this, there's three lines or words or just things that they say, mostly Obi-Wan. Like you just said, Mike, he calls him Darth, which definitely, these aren't retcons, but they make a couple of sketchy things in A New Hope make sense. So when he calls him Darth, I think that that for sure, like you said, makes sense. At one point, Vader says, you have failed master. So he's acknowledging there that Obi-Wan is still his master in a certain, to a certain extent. And the third one is obviously Vader takes credit for killing Anakin because that's a little bit of a wishy-washy line that now makes sense from the original trilogy. So just in this yeah. one thing, they did kind of have to and they felt the need to address those lines and just with a few words here and there made it all make sense. Let's talk really quickly uh, about Leia and Ben in those final moments. And then we should probably just skip the Den of Antiquities this week because there's yeah, not a ton and we'll hit it all in the recap. But we do mm-hmm. have one a certain point of view that is worth saying in this one. So Leia and Ben, the third ending, I guess. Third, There were like four endings in this episode, right? Leia suiting up, mirroring the premiere where mm-hmm. she had her friend in there tricking her parents as she was getting dressed. It's a great callback and then twist that she's back to being a princess, but she's the one putting on the boots. She's mm-hmm. putting on the outfit. She is, she's already as a 10-year-old embracing that leader role. She's a rebel. She's not just a leader, but she's, she's her own person, and she's going to stand up for what she believes in. She wants to change things. She says that to Bale. And as funny as it is, it's such a little kid thing. Like I'm going to put on my holster and my boots and I'm going to show him his <laughs> boss, you know, but yeah. it's beautiful and perfect. And there's a great line prior to that about the holster and everything, but it, it, it really resonates when she's actually putting it on when Ben gives it to her and she's like, it's empty. And, and he goes, <laughs> I wasn't going to give you a blaster. Leia. You're 10 years old, yeah. <laughs> but you won't always be. Mm-hmm. And that final sentence is just beautiful and perfect. See, even Obi-Wan knows across the galaxy, even some basic gun responsibility is important, right? <laughs> yes. Can we just like, can we take a note from that, right? Yes. And then a few lines in there talking about callbacks and things that, that kind of tie up slightly loose ends from the original trilogy. Will I ever see you again? We must not tell anyone what happened. You know, those kind of things. And if you ever need my Th- help that again. That line confused me a little bit. And I don't know if you're going to put this together because that line confused me a little bit is does that cover up the you once served my father in the clone wars that that's my feeling okay that's the only thing that makes sense to me and even that i feel like is a little shaky but i feel like they're that line doesn't make sense unless they're trying to fix something in you know in the dialogue in a new hope that's the only thing i could think of i think it's doing two things one it's 
making it more plausible that Obi-Wan Kenobi could remain in hiding, mm-hmm. even though he's gone on this adventure with a princess, you know, daughter of a senator. And then it continues that secrecy that they need, even when sending this first transmission in mm-hmm. A New Hope, because they would implicate themselves. They would out themselves as rebels and anti-imperial sympathizers if anyone knew anything about what went down in this week or so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was a small but, but kind of necessary thing. I, you know? I, I picked up on that, yeah. And then, like I mentioned before, the goodbye princess, may the force be with you thing. <sighs> yeah. You know, they're thinking, you know, it's another opportunity to say goodbye to Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And God damn, did it land. Yeah, you can't not. You hit that music, you hit Leia's theme. Oh my God. It's like just saying Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi saying Princess Leia Organa. I'm just like, oh, I'm dead. Now I'm dead. I can't can't live anymore. It's too sad. (laughs) Talking about the music, man. Yeah, man. I heard so many people, I saw so many people on social media complaining about how they hadn't used the Imperial March yet and there was no binary sunset, no force theme for Obi-Wan and he's just weak and all this... Patience, like yeah. like you always say, Nick. Just patience, man. Like they did it clearly on purpose. Because when mm-hmm. Vader finally sits in that throne, and you hear the Imperial March, everything that was indicated in the fight in that dialogue is just completely cemented, carved into obsidian stone of a throne. Darth Vader has fully arrived. Yeah, and then the binary sunset at the end. Just oh my god. It was perfect. If they had used it before, it would have cheapened it. It wouldn't have landed the way it did. Yeah. So well done, everyone who was a part of those decisions. There was one other thing that Leia said too, which I think alludes to her future in the next couple of years that we know as far as like novels and comics go. She says something along the lines of like, I'm ready to do this in my own way or something. And I think she's referring I'm ready to, do to- this, but- but I'm going to want to make some changes or something. Like yeah. That, right? I think at that point she's referring to being like a junior Senator. Yeah. Cause she's showing up to duty thinking that like, who's coming now more cousins or something like that. So yeah. I think that they're alluding to her immediate or very immediate future of becoming a, a Senator and getting into politics. What a concept. You're 10, you ready uh, for government <laughs> affairs now? Yeah. <laughs> and then the last couple things, Palpatine, Ian McDermott back in the makeup, doing like a really accurate Revenge of the Sith adjacent version of the voice. You know, he's not yet yeah. like fully melted and decroded <laughs> into the versions from the original trilogy and then the sequel trilogy. And the makeup, it, like it, talk about alignment of stars. He's old enough that he's already old looking, you know, that's mm-hmm. his real neck in there, you know, but they've got the layers up above his cheekbones and everything. And he just, I thought he looked amazing personally. Yeah. Look great. And then we've got, Obi-Wan going back to meet Owen Lars and kind of, you know, try to, try to give Luke the ship again, the, the model ship. And he gets to meet Luke <laughs> and finally talking about being patient. What does he say to Luke? Hello there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did the thing. He yeah. did the thing. <laughs> the thing. <laughs> so there's already IGN already did like a, a mashup of all three. Hello. There's, and it's beautiful. And then lastly, the thing that we all kind of predicted and I would have been so bummed if they hadn't gone there and maybe they would have done it differently slightly had they not, I don't know. We're not going to get into rumors and speculation, but point being Qui-Gon shows up in force, full force ghost head to toe. Mm-hmm. What are they called in ghostbusters? Fully formed floating apparition. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> not only shows up and he's like, Hey bro, I'm here, but has that little bit of Qui-Gon smart ass snark to him. Like totally. Yeah. Waiting on you, bro. I've been yeah, here all yeah. the time, you know, his, that was exactly, I loved the, how he delivered that line. He's like, yeah. all right, we got a, we got a long way to go. It, in a weird way, it reminded me maybe in like the tempo of how he said it, plus the music hitting, it was very Saw Gerrera Rogue One when he saves, uh, it reminds, it's not similar, it's not like totally similar on purpose, but there was very much so something to do with when, when Saw opens the hatch and Jyn Erso's down there and it's like, come on, we have a long journey to go on and the music hits or whatever. Yeah. It's like, that, that was very similar and I, it might not even be on purpose, honestly, but it just, I was like, that feels like something and I, and then I was like, oh yeah, it's Saw and Jin is what it's reminding me of, but does there's no poetry there it just might be a coincidence kind of well it is that kind of like you know opening of a door to what's next kind of mm -hmm. vibe you know yeah and then when you think like when he says come on we've got a ways to go and then we know what happens as part of his story in rebels yes with maul and all of that you're like that's so good it doesn't throw off anything for anyone doesn't spoil anything for rebels people who haven't watched rebels but just the the way of his dialogue and saying, you just weren't ready to see. He's like, that's why you're my master and I'm glad you're back. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's just like such a moment of him of him being like, oh, I'm here. You know, like you, you just weren't ready to see yet. You know, yeah. I think that's it's such a great it, it shows that. And, and one thing, of course, we can talk a little bit about this more in the overall season recap. But it's like I love that there is this desire for Jedi to continue to learn from each other, right? That mm. there are multiple masters, there are multiple people, there are multiple Jedis, there are multiple beings who get reference to learning from each other, right? Mm -hmm. Versus the Sith are just replaced. Right. I think it's a really interesting difference because like once they hit peak power, it's like they're not necessarily students of Sith. They're groomed to be the most powerful Sith, right? And so this right. idea that a, a, a master that's joined the force still can teach and make Jedi better is such a rad concept that shows such a stark opposite difference of the Sith, which are like, as soon as you're not needed anymore, you're gone. Right. We'll talk about it more in the full season recap, but I thought this was just another great moment of seeing that. And of course, look at the Sith too. It's like Palpatine talks to Vader at the end and he's like, you know, you sure you're good? And where's Vader? By himself on Mustafar, where he felt like, you know, this is where I'm most angry being here by myself. All right, let's get on to I Love You, I Know and wrap this up. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite quotes and so on. Favorite moments. We're going to go to the patrons and see what the patrons think. We've got our Jedi Council tier patrons in here with us listening live. Most we've had in a while. I think for a good reason. Everybody's pumped on this episode. We're also recording later. So that's, that's convenient. But um, good to have you folks. Let's, let's pick a couple. Mike, you want to read from this? Well, a shout out to <clears throat> Jason uh, from a new hope workshop that's been joining us and I'm, I'm geek that he's on the the Jedi tier, but he, he brought up a great point. What he calls his favorite throwback quote was Ben's saying, I'll do what I must. But on what he says on his second watch, Luke says to Baru, I'm not afraid, which is awesome in that way of Luke never really 
has that moment, right? Luke mm-hmm. never yeah. really, like that's always been the spirit of his father. Is Anakin was never afraid, right? There was always like, let's go head first into things. So they do have that split that Obi-Wan reminds Leia, of course, that both her parents were the qualities that they were, and Luke has those same qualities, right? So I think that's an awesome quote. I feel like this whole episode was quotable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are more quotes probably in this single episode than the entire series combined, and maybe than all, all of the Book of Boba Fett. That's not to say that it wasn't good, but like the writing was clearly the dialogue and the depth of the dialogue yeah. was such a focus on this. Yeah, I mean, there, there's just a lot more emotions at play here. So it must have been a little, uh, they must have known that and not that it was easy to write these things, but they knew they had to deliver some, some heart-wrenching moments. For sure. It looks like we have a bunch of folks, a bunch of patrons here calling out hello there as, <laughs> as their favorite moment. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm absolutely shocked you guys would say hello there is your favorite quote from Star Wars. So Jason from New Hope Workshop says that his favorite throwback quote here is Luke says to Brew, I'm not afraid, which of course we know later in Empire when he goes to face Darth Vader. And he sees himself in the cave on Dagobah and says, I'm not afraid. Yoda says you will be, right? It's this idea that if you go down the dark side, you become the next heir to the dark side, right? Father and son ruling the galaxy together. So I think that that quote is such a great connection between, again, what makes the original trilogy better because of this show. We just got an example of it right there. So I think that's an awesome awesome connection between not just a new hope but now empire and the lessons that a jedi is always to be learning all right let's do ours nick go first what's your favorite moment or scene well if you were paying attention i kind of showed my hand earlier uh, one of my favorite scenes in all of star wars now is obi-wan kneeling down to get to little leia's height there and uh, telling her about the qualities that she possesses that were passed down from Padme and Anakin. Princess Leia Organa, you are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother, but you're also passionate and fearless, forthright. And these are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. Beautiful writing, beautiful acting. So yeah, I mean, that is my number one moment of this episode for sure. And that's saying a lot because everything in the duel was amazing. Hearing Obi-Wan describe them is amazing hearing obi-wan describe them to leia is amazing the music hits the acting oh my goodness it's just it it's a lot and it's something i could see myself just turning on that moment for the rest of my life just as i would the throne room or i'm all the jedi or any any greatest hits you know from star wars that you just want to put up put on to feel good for five minutes that's that's going to be up there for sure mike how about you I already gushed at the top of the episode about how I love the portrayal of Vader being Vader, even at his worst, at his 
second time he got his ass kicked by Obi-Wan, I still love that they doubled down on him and you didn't see him soften up. I love that. But a little interesting quote that I thought we haven't really talked about, because I'm sure that we'll probably connect it later to in the whole season, but uh, when Obi-Wan kind of tells Roken that he's a leader, right? Yeah. And Roken just answers, I'm just getting started. Gives yeah, me man. a lot of hope that mm-hmm. we might get, like, this is the Saga Rare, the partisans, this group that are encouraging the path. This is, you know, is this the Guardians of the Wills? Is this, like, you know, this tie-in that we're getting further, further into Rogue One and we're getting into Andor and, like, all this stuff seems like the the puzzle pieces are being placed very strategically. And I love that because that part of what made gritty Star Wars not just about Jedis and lightsabers was that there were people on that freighter that Obi-Wan protected and that he looks at and says, you guys protect the Jedi for the last 10 years, right? And like, where did it get you? Like, we, we're gone now. He's, he feels that sense of guilt, but he knows that the fight, he sees someone like Roken and he's like, you're bringing the fight too. You're going to fight the Empire. And I, I kind of love that. I was like, that was mm-hmm. such a, yeah. a quick little moment that I'm like, let's go. Sidebar, Roken, Baby Cube, crushing it. Love that dude. But the 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 little bit of dialogue and screen time he had, I thought he was amazing. Like, definitely want more of him. Plus, I saw a tweet today where I think he just said something simple, like "I want more Obi Wan" or something like that. And I, I just clicked Star on his profile. Wars, yeah. yeah, I want more Star Wars, yeah. or whatever it is. And in his like bio, it says something about being like the thirteenth member of the Jedi Council. His his like uh, profile picture is him with like a Lakers jersey on with like a WWE championship belt. I mean, he's just living his best life. He's for yeah. sure just a giant nerd, which is which is great. One of us. One of us. <laughs> One of us. Get him on the show. If we, if we tweet and ask him to come on the show, we're going to need everybody to retweet that sucker, all right? Because we got to get yes. noticed here and get him on the show. All right, Ryan Key. Okay. Goes- really hard to do that for this episode man want like a a single favorite thing but if i have to look across an episode that had a lot of impactful moments you know on me i'm sorry anakin for all of it i'm sorry i'm sorry anakin for all of it Jesus Christ. Almost more than the fight, but what a duel though, man. The lightsaber fight was so awesome. And just like I said, for everyone who's like, oh, 10 years later, he can't do this, that, or the other thing. Obi-Wan f***ed him up, dude. We don't know what that means. We don't know what, you know, his respirator being down that long or he he could be like physically in trouble now. He got beat down, Mm -hmm. beat down. There is very much a chance he doesn't recover physically from that being able to do all of the same physical movements and stuff. And look, Rogue One, he's just walking in a straight line. Yeah. So he's I think he's injured here. I think I think he yeah. really got his ass kicked in a way that caused permanent damage. Well, he and got that's that scar. why and that's why we've seen such a dramatic uh shift in his abilities in this series. It's before this fight we just watched. Yeah. At me about it. It's legit. But yeah. Uh, Ewan McGregor's performance was 100% my I love you I know my, is my favorite thing I've one of my favorite things I've ever seen in Star Wars a character being allowed to perform what they he was allowed to do 
I think I think oftentimes Star Wars stays away from that type of performance. Um, we saw a little bit of it in the sequels with Adam Driver and Harrison Ford. Daisy Ridley had some moments, but you know what I'm saying? Like a long, extended moment of tension and tears. It's not normal. And I'm glad Ewan McGregor is obviously one of the greats of all time. And I'm really glad he was allowed to uh, spread his wings, you know, and sh- and share his gift with yeah. us. It was great. My favorite is such a close call. It's such a tough decision because, of course, little Leia is like one of the best things to happen to Star Wars in the past 20 years for me. And my connection to Carrie Fisher and, and Leia as an original trilogy character and, and maternal figure is so huge. So I'm with Nick about that conversation because, like I said, I, I have never cried harder in my life from something on a screen. I've never watched a screen and, and cried harder than I did in that moment. I was like choking, coughing, snotting, <laughs> chin quivering out of control. Mm-hmm. Like it was absurd. I, I, I haven't watched a screen and cried that hard since the memorial video at my dad's funeral. That's so powerful. Yeah. It cathartic. was like unbelievable. Yes. Cathartic is, is a great word. But that said, I trying to be a more objective just film lover and lover of this universe, taking out the additional baggage I have that comes from loss of my dad and Carrie Fisher and all, all that kind of stuff. The moment where Obi-Wan apologizes to Anakin and he breaks down yeah. instantly became like a top three Star Wars moment to me. We haven't ever gone to that level in Star Wars. And it's hard not to vote for that given the gravity of, of that moment for Obi-Wan the character, mm-hmm. Anakin the character, Vader, and so on. And especially in the middle of a giant fight, like mm-hmm. a battle. Like, you know, talking about the rematch of the century, it wasn't just, oh, what's the choreography going to be? What mm-hmm. cool force powers are they going to use? That was all great, yeah. But it came down to that defining moment of them as individuals that made it the rematch of the century. So I think that's what takes it for me. That's the winner. I dig that. All right, let's wrap it up. Like we said, we're going to do a full season kind of recap wrap up. We'll get into more of the, the, the typical segments. We'll give you all the details and stolen plans. We'll give you all the, the certain points of view. We'll give you the best of the best in the, the den of antiquities. And we'll do some voting. We'll do some polls with the patrons. Patreon.com slash thank the maker pod is where you can go. If you want to participate in that Jedi tier and above, they get to vote. Jedi council gets to actually sit with us while we record and interact and, we read off their comments, obviously. We also want to shout out while we're here, Crafted Cores, who was one of our sponsors at Mosh Eisley, the after party that we did recently at Star Wars Celebration. Crafted Cores makes custom kyber crystals for Savvy's Workshop lightsabers from Galaxy's Edge, as well as the holocrons from Galaxy's Edge. They're two-sided. They're themed. There's some really, really like amazing stuff that you don't get with a standard kyber crystal from Galaxy's Edge. And... There's a lot of stuff that's beyond just Star Wars. Like they've got a, a new Jurassic Park themed crystal. They've got, I want to say there's like an Indiana Jones one too. There's a bunch of other non-Star Wars stuff and then some crossover things within Star Wars. Like there's a Boba Fett crystal and stuff like that. So craftedcores.com, at craftedcores on Instagram and TikTok, right? It's all at craftedcores. Yep. Check them out. 
Thanks to them for sponsoring Mosh Eisley. And get yourself a crystal. Not meth, though. What kind of crystal? <laughs> I live in Missouri. I have to... I to, I yeah, to frame what kind of crystal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Ryan's from Florida, so it's, you know, it's a double whammy. All right, Nick, tell the people where they can find you on social media. Oh, my social media is at Nick Bayside. Like I said, I'm home from tour, so the radio radio show will uh, continue. Hopefully sound a little bit better. Thank you for sticking with me as I recorded in uh, business centers and dressing rooms and all that type of stuff. But uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Nick Bayside. I'm happy to be home. And talking Star Wars with you guys. Welcome home, bud. Mike, how about you? Uh, we are gearing up for Armor Party Season 2. I've got some really cool things coming down the line, and I've got some people lined up uh, that couldn't talk to me until after this show is over. So that should give you some hints as to what is coming and just some really cool stuff coming down the line. So I'm excited for Armor Party, and we're going to be also building up a bit of a YouTube presence. I think that's something that I've heard a lot of people ask about is when is there going to be some kind of visual accompaniment for Armor Party. And so I think I'm going to launch my Boba Fett build, which is the summer of Boba Fett. I'm going to be building ESB, full Boba Fett costume, and showing you how ridiculously expensive this costume is and how absurdly dumb it is to try and literally <laughs> screen match every single piece of damage and flecking and thumbprints on this paint job. So we're going to boost up that. You'll see that. So Armor Party Show, part of the Thank the Maker Network, and then you can find me at my other side gig, which is Hondo Supply. So follow me there on Instagram. And uh, Twitter has been fun especially today. Everyone's feeling the joy of how awesome Star Wars is, so that's been a fun thing. And you can find me there on Twitter at Honda Supply as well. This was fun. Let's do it again next week. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Ryan Key. You can find me on social media everywhere at William Ryan Key. If you're interested, tomorrow night, which will be the 24th of June, I'm playing a live acoustic show from my recording studio here at home, and you can grab tickets at WilliamRyanKey.com. If you can't make the show, it's at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you have a ticket, you can watch it as many times as you want after it's over. So I uh, would love the support. It's keeping my music going here. And again, you can grab tickets at WilliamRyanKey.com. And then the last little thing, I would love it if you would check out my new musical project, which is called Jetta, J-E-D-H-A. You can find us online everywhere at Jetta Music. All my stuff is at Adam the Skull. You can follow this podcast on Instagram and TikTok at ThankTheMakerPod. On Twitter, at ThankTheMaker. Like I said before, patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod is where you go if you want to support this podcast. Even if you're not concerned with the benefits and you just want to support us and help us continue to do it, that is very much a thing. I do that with a handful of podcasts myself. Think about it. You get free podcasts every week. They have to get made somehow. Be a high-quality human. Help us out. It really, really does help. Thanks to all the patrons for being here. Dudes, thanks for hanging. Thanks for um, coordinating and making all these wild schedules work to talk about the finale of this amazing show. We'll see you all again next week. And until then, may the force be with you. 